Yo, it's the Swangler Show. Just another order. CJ De Niro's getting them orders on the Swangler oh, yeah. Show, episode 17, live in the intro. It's going down. My man in the top left corner, Vice Grip, represent South Florida conspiracy family. The Bear Jew lives. What's happening? What's poppin', y'all? <laughs> Shout out to all the people listening out there. What's up with y'all, boy? Happy blessed Sunday. What up, man? Yo, yo, yo. Now, in the bottom there, we got the one and only Conspiracy Family original. The king of the wing, if you will. <laughs> CJ De Niro, back oh. once again. Oh, so now, what up, man? The third time on the Swangland Show. <laughs> Vice Grips holding the show record with five appearances. Or is it oh, four yeah. Vice or five? I think it might be four right now. Might we might four. be getting okay. Okay, we'll, we'll keep it level at number number four. The all-time Swangland champion, Vice Grip, is in the building. And CJ De Niro is in the building. And if you're watching this right now, the Swangland show, you're probably wondering, where's Nucleus? Where's Nucleus on episode 17 of the Swangland show? And um, he's going to be posting a very interesting and wonderful column on Swangland.com this week explaining his absence and... and um, it's it's a very heartwarming story, if you will. So we're gonna keep our eyes peeled on this wonderful story from <laughs> Nucleus. But we're wondering if you're listening, what do you think happened to Kyle? Was he abducted? <laughs> Why doesn't his voice work? What's going on? You let us know your opinion on what you think could have happened to the Nucleus. Now, on Swangland episode 17, we're gonna chop it up about something that is very integral part of all three of our lives specifically and that's the entrepreneurial spirit the fucking hustle man the grind that goes in to wanting to uh be better and do better and have more and provide a service and shit that you can stand by and and make an honest wage and living so as we get into this concept of the entrepreneurial spirit um according to um the united states small business administration right Small businesses make up 99.9% of businesses in the United States. All of us that's in this room and, and every existing member of the illustrious conspiracy family are business owners in their, in their own right in one fashion or another. So it says that 99%, if 99% of businesses are small businesses, um, what does that mean or how does that statistic reflect to you vice what does that mean to you um i mean it it, to me is a double-edged sword because it shows that you know the majority of the market as far as quantity is small businesses but i look at it like i already know the big conglomerates at the top is outweighed i mean there's obviously a lot more small businesses and and they should be respected a lot more and treated with better care than the big corporations. But you know, the dichotomy of balance because those big corporations employ a lot of people nationwide and they're nationwide corporations. Small businesses are uh, more impactful for their local community and the big businesses are more impactful for the nation as a whole, I think. But, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of mom and pop shops, you know, people getting it in, really just figuring out how to do something. And it's uh, 
a great thing, you know, it's what the country was built on. Now, I think you make a very good good point there that that is the entrepreneurial spirit, right? In a way is the American spirit, right? It's like, it's an American thing. To right. Want to control your own destiny and come in and be in control of your own shit. Now, since we're talking about swangling for one, we're talking about business for two, it's perfect time to integrate Mitch Millions into in the building. What's up? What it do? What it do, y'all? Now, welcome to the Swangland Show, episode seventeen. We're talking some business shit. So I got a question for Mitch. Mitch is involved, as you all know, is a straight up, just a hustling type of dude. And marinated Mitch gets it in. A lot of people don't know on the collectibles game. This man is a baseball card hustling. Cool. Marinated Mitch, tell the people about what it's like to have uh, hustles that are, that you would see as unconventional. Uh, man, it, it's it's just so crazy, man. Things that you don't really think about, man. That you know that you can actually just make money off. And like at first with the cards, I, I really I just wanted to collect cards. I didn't really know the investment side. I didn't really know nothing about them. And so I started getting in groups and started just following what everybody was collecting. And uh, I ended up getting stuck on graded vintage. And uh, I, I stuck with key players, you know, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Yogi Bear, Hank Aaron, um, and Jackie Robinson. And by me doing that, uh, it turned out to be a very good investment. And I seen the investment side of it. So then I started pouring more and more money into it. And, and I make more money off selling baseball cards than I do at work, you know. And just been a blessing, man, that something I, I enjoy, you know, it's hard finding jobs you enjoy, you know, where you can make real good money and to be able to make more money than my normal job. Yeah. Plus, I like it, you know. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. I think that's an awesome thing that you're able to find a market where there's not a lot of action and still be able to take it and maximize on it and flip it. And that reminds me a lot of the service based industries like food sales and stuff like that. So that, that brings me to this question that I got for the the king of the wing, CJ DeNero. Here's the ultimate question right now. When it comes to, um, they say in business that your, your profit margin is reflecting upon your, um, the amount of sales, the bulk of, of your sales, right? So you're independent hustling plates. How important is every sale? Uh, very important, man. Um, it's important. Like, you know, when I first started doing this shit, I honestly was just looking at it. It was something I like to do. Um, I wasn't really thinking about the, um, the profit too much. I wasn't thinking about the numbers, the books, none of that shit. I was just looking to make some extra money doing something that I love to do anyway. And, uh, but now, you know, um, like this past year, I've been getting more conscious of how much money I spend, how much I should charge for the plates, um, you know, uh, where I'm spending it at, I price compare, all types of shit. And so it, it's very important to get the sales up. So, cause you want to make back what you, you want to at least make back what you just spent. You oh, know that's what I'm saying? Yeah. And so some days with this shit, sales is great. Some days, they all right. 
I haven't really had no terrible days, but you know, just getting the sale is important. And now I'm starting to branch out more, you know, talking to different businesses and doing things like that with them, collaborating with them on um getting new news kitchen to provide food services for them and their workers. So that's awesome. Every, and I think every a key sale point, matters. I think a very key point that you had mentioned is mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily about that that profit because if you don't have a passion involved in what it is yeah. that you're trying to flip or work off. It shows through and it capsizes you and you're not able to move as freely and genuinely. And when you have a product yeah. that you believe in, you could sell the motherfucker on its own just because right. you know the product in and out, you can stand by it. It's got, you know, you put your integrity into something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's always a great uh, piece of advice to have to offer to anybody that's trying to branch out and do something new or um, start a business or is actively involved in business is to make sure that whatever it is that you're selling, that you actually like that shit. Because if you don't like it, how the fuck are you going to sell it to somebody else? And that's some swangling shit. I got a question for my man. South Florida represent Vice Grip. He's in the land of the strip mall. It's a huge fucking thing that, you know, in Florida, there's many malls everywhere. Right. So yep. if you were to right now open a spot in one of those places, Vice Grip, what's, what would be your go to business right now? Oh, shit. I'm going to just put it on my boy and shout him out. Former manager of Psycho South, my boy Scam. He's opened uh, a store named after his cousin's Primo Liquors. So Primo Liquors started as one store. People used to laugh at him. Is, you know, we was all drinking and partying and well, he was, he's a little bit older than me. So when he first turned 21, you know, his mind was like, I'm gonna make, we all drinking and spending all this money. I'm gonna make money off. He's like, I'm opening my liquor store. And his friends laughed at him. I think he's on like Primo's number seven now in like seven different cities across Broward County. You know what I'm saying? And he's going into different business ventures. So it's like, what you got to do with anything in life is you got to envision it first. You got to see it. And even if people laugh at you, they don't think it's going to happen because like, you know, like you said, there's strip malls everywhere. So he puts his liquor stores next to like big grocery stores that don't have liquor stores. Certain ones like, you know, when Dixie, they got their own liquor store that's attached to the store, but there's certain ones that don't. So he'll position in that strip mall. So there's a lot of traffic anyways, but it's hard to cover the rent, but you know, thankfully things, things are good in that respect, but in a broader general sense, with any business, you have to envision and see yourself doing something and succeeding at it and being creative in the ways that you do that. Because, you know, you could just get a spot anywhere and think it's good or have a realtor say, yeah, this is a high traffic spot. But knowing strategically what grocery stores didn't have liquor options already to sell and putting the stores next to them was like, you know, that's that's that forward thinking side. So you got to, no matter what it is, envision it and then make it a reality for you. Mitch, your thoughts on that? I agree. Um, I've been I'm in it for the money. When it comes to me and working, I, I'm looking at how much time I got to put in it, you know, and how much the return of income is for that amount of time. And I'm trying to decrease it on the time and increase it on the <laughs> on the return of you know income. Uh, I, I'm a true believer. You know, work smarter, not harder. You know, um, I believe yeah. everybody's capable, you know, to a, to an extent. We just got to know how hard we can push ourselves, man, and what we can take, you know. Um, but once you find that 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 norm and, and you make it a norm, man, it becomes easier and easier, man. 
Like, man, I got so many hustles, man. I, I move furniture, I deliver alcohol, sell crawfish, do my baseball cards, you know. <laughs> then we got the music, you know, still jumping. Like, yep. it, 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 it's got to have more than one hustle on my on my end, man. I, I have to, man. That way, if any of them fall back, you know, the others will pick it back up, you know what I'm saying? And it just keeps it balanced until I until I hit. And I think that's the way to move, too, to, to have – you know, always be working uh, to have one, they say to have one sale, you gotta be stoking four. You know what I mean? Cause that's a high conversion rate too is 25% to even think that you could flip at that return is, is some pretty high self-confidence, right? So yeah. I feel like, um, like you said, all those products that you're involved in, Mitch, you could easily, easily do that because you understand what it is that you're doing and you enjoy it. So it makes it easy. And it just kind of everything fucking rolls together like this, right? So it's the Swangland Show, episode 17. We got, once again, multiple members of the motherfucking internationally fucking Swangler house, international house of the Swangle. The wonderful conspiracy family is in the building on a wonderful, we're recording this on a Sunday. You know, we don't drop the episodes till Thursday, but we, we run out a couple of days early, right? So. Cass has probably been chilling, watching some football and shit like that. And uh, it's weird yeah. seeing, uh, seeing the big crowds once again after the fucked up uh, pandemic of uh, yeah. the way that 2020 was. Now, I came across a statistic today when I was putting together some bullet points and stuff uh, for the show today. And it said that in America, nearly 100,000 businesses closed in 2020 due to low sales volume. You know what I mean? And yep. to see that number, right? Me individually and personally, um, I feel like that's such a large number, but there are 32 million small businesses in the United States alone. So that really reflects down to less than, I, what is that, an individual percent down dip in 2020, which is a big deal to the economy. But I thrived throughout 2020, and a lot of the other people that I know thrived throughout 2020, I believe all, all right. of them in this room have. So if you were to come across somebody that's been like financially fucked up because of uh, like the influence of COVID or any anything that's like kind of out of their circumstances and control like that, uh, CJ, what would you tell them? What would be some things that you could do to help somebody maybe get their wheels turning a little bit coming down from absolutely nothing? Um, they definitely will have to think outside the box and, um, you know, work with what you got. You know, you got to look at the situation like, hell, just recently I stopped doing a uh, contact service. Like I'm not, I'm not handing you your food no more. I'm going to drop it on the porch. You cash at me or you put the cash somewhere on the porch. I'm going to grab it. And I'm gone. Just like the, just now they put it in the mailbox for me. Like you got to adapt. Like you got to figure a way out. Um, that's that's the best thing that I can do. You and to tell somebody and just don't get comfortable because that's clearly what happened with some of these people. They got comfortable. They were so used to things being normal and things being the same way that when shit changed up, they ain't know what to do. Yep. Because a lot of these people, they not like us. They not hustlers. They not people that's going to have multiple hustles. They had one that boomed and they just kept it that way. And so everything they need needed and uh, was getting from it was coming from that one business and you got to have your hands in a little bit of everything like Mitch was saying 
you gotta have your hands and everything. Cause hell, I was reading, I been reading books and shit. They tell you, you know what I'm saying? Most millionaires got at least four or five different businesses going on. Pretty much all of them. They got four or five different avenues of making money. Yep. And so I would tell that person, it's time to switch it up. You want to keep what you're doing going, you got to adjust. Well, I feel like adjustment, adjustment is um, something that a lot of people may struggle to notice where to adjust and how to, you have to be able to break down and be strategic and look at your hustles and say, okay, this is where I'm coming up short. You have to always strive for that constant improvement, right? So I I had mentioned that statistic earlier that I saw. Mm -hmm. I also saw uh, a statistic also in that article that said only 30% of these 32 million existing businesses in history in the United States, only 30% have lasted for longer than 10 years. I feel like that is a very solid testament to what CJ had just mentioned about being able to stay on the cutting edge and be able to um, adapt to your customer base, learn how to adapt with technology and adapt with the world in general. To know yeah. that, to know that that many, um, that high of a percentage of companies don't last as long as a decade, it makes you also question. Is longevity really a, a real thing, or it doesn't make sense to reset every six years? Vice, what do you think about that shit? I mean, I guess it would depend on the industry. You know, stuff that's required, that's like needed. Like, you know, food is a, like ordering food is a luxury, but it's required. Everybody got to eat. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, a lot of people don't want to cook. You know, they, so food is is has longevity. If you're doing something that's like a trendy thing, that's like a now thing. Like a lot of people. When the pandemic happened, switched into mask production out of both necessity and because they were selling like hotcakes, custom masks, sports team masks, you know, things like that. Um, not true. just like, just, not yeah. just like medical masks and stuff like that, you know. Um, so, like CJ said, you got to be able to switch lanes and adapt. But look, at the end of the day, longevity is going to be um, up to the person that's steering the ship. How long can it stay afloat is up to the person that's at the wheel, not crashing into dry land, you know? Um, and everybody hits a little bit dry land, you know, things slow up. Like I work for a small business right now in the construction industry. And, you know, when the pandemic first happened, it reminded me like really of the uh, the recession in 2008, 2009. I mean, things got slow and I was worried that, you know, it was going to be slow for an extended period of time, but it kept going, thankfully at least construction um, down here. So, you know, we, we soldier through it and now we're busy, like super busy with a lot of work. Um, so, you know, it just, it just depends, you know, it depends on the industry, but longevity is possible. I, I agree. And I, I believe, like you said, that it really is up to the individual, you know, you have to be passionate about what you're doing. You have to care about wanting the success. You have to be willing at all costs to look for the information that's going to guide you towards success and constantly be willing to adapt and change and look for new information. Right. And um, now everybody in this room is, is reflected in, in different types of businesses. You know what I mean? Whether it be retail based stuff like with what CJ is doing, selling direct to the customers or uh, trading, or, you know, some people in this room have uh, like legitimate uh trade skills as well that they use as hustles and ways to provide a real uh, source of income for their families and shit, right? So we have a pretty wide base of information or a wide perspective within this 
group of um, what it takes to be successful. And I think a main thing that a lot of people fail to uh, notice as a key point of their success is their relationships with their customers and relationships with other people in general and learning how to um, uh, be genuine and learn how to grow actually mutual growth within a relationship, whether it be business or personal, you know what I'm saying? So marinated Mitch, how have you found that your personal relationships have helped your business? Uh, to me, it helps a lot. I mean, you, you got to believe in what you're selling, you know, and people can see it in you, you know, whether or not you really believe it, you know, uh, people feel more comfortable spending money when, when they believe it, you know, um, just, just small things, man, to let people know that you appreciate them, man. It goes, it goes a long way, man. Um, it, with the cards, man, me buying and selling cards, like I, I'll sell somebody a card and I, I might take, you know, 15, $20 cheaper or something like that, just to get the good business out of them, you know, because I know that he's going to return, you know, especially like the certain players that I collect, you know, and now it's to the point to where I've done it so much that every time I post a card, now I got people bidding on them, you know, and it's like a bid war. Like, oh, this is Mitch's cards, you know, it comes from his private collection, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and it builds up this, you know, uh, advertising, it, it really does. And it, and it helps in the long run, you know, so to me, I, you got to, you got to do it, man. You got to. I agree. I agree with you um, completely. And there's a quote from the uh, successful businessman, Richard Branson of the Virgin deal, right? He always says, he said that uh, business opportunities are like buses because there's always another one coming. And I believe that to be true. So uh -huh. the more people you know, the more people that trust you, the more people that know that you're going to be willing to provide them with quality and integrity, you're winning every single time. Now, CJ, you're working direct with individuals hand to hand and the essential, yeah. the food, the best shit ever, the best chicken wings in the motherfucking city. <laughs> kitchen coming through the original king of the wing, the cross face yeah. chicken wing that you're dropping oh, off yeah. to the customers, right? <laughs> so how do you feel like as you grow and make continuous sales to the same people, do you feel like um, you're building a sustainable relationship to continue and grow your business? Oh, yeah. Um, because like People to take pictures of their plates or, you know, and give, talk about how good it is and everything. And then their friends see the shit. Now they want to try it. And then they post it and they try like uh my barber, Joe, his girl, his Shout wife. Shout out to Joe. Yeah, Shout they out to Joe. Best fade, best fade you can oh, get yeah. in the city of Finley, Ohio. Shout out to Joe. Oh, yeah. Uh, posted a picture of him. They had the pork chop dinner plates. And next thing I know. People were uh, hitting me up, and now one of them, he's a longtime customer of mine now, too. Um, a chick that um, I know through um, my brother Sam, she uh, she just plugged me into a big-ass corporate situation. So, because I've been, I've been, uh, she's been buying plates like two times, two, three times this week. So now, people at her job, they want the shit. Now they want the shit for their Christmas party. So. Now, that's yeah. great. That's great. That's yeah. what you're talking about, that that um, building that rapport with your customers and shit, which yeah. is so, so important in the business game, right? So um, now another thing that I think is extremely important is your failures, like being able to look at 
um, you know, you want to take risks at, as much as you can, but take them calculated risk, you know, have a better upside of success than just going into shit in the blind. Right. But if you, um, if you fail at something, you got to be able to know how to assess that to attack it twice to actually win. Right. So it brings me to this next question that I'm going to ask both you guys, but vice, I want to get your answer first, right? What is the biggest L you've ever took in business? What's Man. the L? What is the ultimate L? The L was uh, at the end of all right, my, my previous rap group, some listeners might not know. I started in 2001 when I was 14 years old with a bunch of my homies producing beats, writing rhymes, recording, putting mixtapes together, freestyling, just getting a little hip hop crew, starting to sell mixtapes. And eventually it got to be where we're renting clubs, doing shows, making a thousand at the door just to party, get drunk at VIP with security, and then go on stage and act like hooligans and spit up our, our bars, you know what I'm saying, do our songs. And, and you know, we was rocking down here for a little bit. Um, at the end, you know, it was a six man main rap group and everyone was different ages and pulling apart and I was trying to keep it together and we were dropping a mixtape and I was like, you know, no one, no one, the energy wasn't there. No one was about it. They wasn't like, yo, give me CDs. I'll flip them things. You know, no one was hyped up about the release of this project, but I really wanted to keep things together. So I'm like, fuck that. I'll fund it myself. I pressed a thousand of those mixtapes off my back and I booked a show um, locally. I put the down payment. I'm like, yo, we're gonna throw a big release party. You know what I'm saying? We'll slang at least half of these joints, you know, cause we, we used to be able to pack 100 to 150 people in the club and, and really sell out and make the bar happy and, and move merchandise, you know, um, at, at its peak. But it was the end of like the group at that moment, you know, with the, the core six members and things were changing the dynamic of who was involved. And it was the wrong time to go all in. I pushed, I pushed my money into the table and I got a bad hand in return. So, you know, I had to cancel the show. I lost my deposit. I looked bad at, with the club owner. Um, and I pretty much ate those CDs. I think I sold like maybe 300, like 30%. And then I just started like using them for my own burn CDs, taking the CDs yeah, out yeah. and, them like, <laughs> and put, putting them in free extra CDs and like my solo shit when I moved on to that, like, yo, just take it. <laughs> You know, like. Now, Mitch, what about you, man? What's the biggest L that you've ever taken in the business business sector? Big, biggest L probably had to be in music too, man. Um, the the raid show we did, man. Uh, remember we had Lil White yeah. and all them come out. Yeah, and we had I, a last I, minute I trusted, venue change. Yeah, yeah, I trusted somebody that. Well, you know, usually we we did three or four shows there. We never had a problem with it. He took care of it, you know. But then as soon as I want to spend big money and bring somebody, he ends up getting fired two days before the damn event and then doesn't even tell me. And then when I call him, we have to find a whole nother venue and try to transfer the whole traffic all there within two days. And it, it just wasn't possible, man. And I mean, it was to the point to where I had to think about what we were throwing it for instead of the money and just yeah. just chalk it, man. And, and, and know that next time, hey, you got to do it yourself, man. And always trust in, in people and just because they came through that one time don't mean they're gonna come through this time, you know. Yeah, so I mean it's, very, it's lessons uh, it's lessons to be learned though, you know, and, and that's what yeah. I I look at all my L's as man. It's a lesson, you know, what not to do next time, you know. Yeah. Uh, just 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 dust yourself off, man, and keep pushing. That's all you can do out here, bro. For real. This is the truth. Now on the Swangland show, we want the listeners to get up to fucking speed when it comes to uh 
you know, um, dealing with people directly, how to, how to treat people correctly, how to cultivate um, a positive experience with people for success, you know what I mean? And try and set up people with some great information and shit that we can try and um, push forward together as, you know, a community of people who swangleth upon, you know, this world that we live in, right? So there's another quote um, that I thought was pretty interesting that I saw um, on the internet today as I was putting together some bullet points and stuff for the show that I said, um, it's from Steve Jobs. And he says, your time is limited. So don't waste it living someone else's life. So um, this is something that I feel like is directly tied to that entrepreneurial spirit in that fire. Because what is wasting it is when you when you don't have goals and you don't have vision and you're always you're not trying to stoke you're not trying to set your own fucking fire up you know what i'm saying having a job is great working a job is great but it'll never be enough listeners of the swangling show you know we need uh we need you to know that when you come to these stages in your life where you think you need to make something shake roll the fucking dice every once in a while because it's worth the gamble if you take a loss you'll bounce back better from it anyways you know what i'm saying just don't be scared in the regard to business because like they always say scare money don't make no fucking money and this is the truth sure. that doesn't exist on the swangling show this is a, a legitimate concept in this whole entire world that we live in that if you're scared about it it ain't gonna fucking work so if i were to have any advice for um upcoming business-minded people or people that are trying to um flip any type of direct product or market anything whatsoever is do your homework know what you can do know what you can't do don't be scared scared to hire people that are professionals to help you get to where you need to go because not only pay for learn from pay for and you'll get the insight that you need to be successful and understand that portion of your business going forward now it's the swangling show episode 17 entrepreneurial spirit i got my man cj denaro cincinnati ohio the motherfucking King of the Wing in the building. I got Marinated Mitch in the building, representing true definition, the baseball card flipper. So let me ask you this question, Mitch. You can flip the card, right? But can you flip any other old collectibles in the same fashion that you're doing? Yes, man. Uh, Memorabilia and stuff like that's at an all-time high too, man. I've never seen comic books go for what they're going. Uh, Pokemon cards, just um, just old vintage Coca-Cola stuff. Like everything right now is is crazy. When COVID hit, it, you know, it shut everything down and people couldn't get out, and it spiked online sales and stuff. You know, because nobody could actually walk in a store no more. So like, as soon as COVID hit, no baseball was being played. You know, and cards just started skyrocketing. You know. Memorabilia just started skyrocketing. Pokemon, like there was cards that you could get for like 500 bucks and those were awesome ass cards. And now they're like $5,000 cards, you know? So the return of income it just went stupid off of it. And, you know, and when I saw that, I, I had to jump in. And even though I didn't know, you know, and, and get some of it, you know, I, I took a couple of L's in it and I lost on a couple of cards, but the, it didn't matter because I had, I had took the, the chance on the others and they won, you know? And they pay for all that plus some, you know. 
So, like, there, there's, I'm talking, people will buy damn near anything, man, if you know how to sell it right. I promise, man. Like, you'd be surprised the shit I see people pay for and how much money they're actually going for, man. It's crazy. It, it's crazy, bro. Now, this leads me to this concept right here, right? Vice, have you ever um, been in a scenario where it's happened to me before, and I, you guys will know what I'm saying when I reference this. Have you ever been in a scenario where you made a sale and didn't even realize you made it until it was over? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you, you, you're so involved in what, you know, your pitch is and you're going through your thing and you're like not recognizing that you had it in the bag a couple seconds ago and you could just really skip to the end and close on it, you know? Um, but every industry you'll pick up the, uh, the little triggers that people have, you know, when you make enough sales, you'll hear it when someone says a certain something, a certain phrase or their tone, they'll be like, you know, I, right, I got this in the bag. So, you know, you can pick up on little triggers in conversations um, from the sales, you know, especially uh, the, the, the more experience you have in your individual industry, you know, everyone's got their own little trade terms and, you know, different things and whatnot. But um, the more experience, the easier it is to notice it. But sometimes you just get in that mode where you're like, all right, I'm in my zone and I'm doing my thing. And you just, you know, you could have wrapped it up, but you're not in the moment. You're just going through your, you know, your, your technique on it. So, you know, sometimes it gets like that. Absolutely. I've done it before and then realized, holy shit, what did I just do? You know, like I could have, I could have botched it up. I could have fucked this whole thing up. But fortunately that, you know, usually isn't the case. Once you get in there, you get in where you fit in and you're able to, you know, make some things happen. So, um, we've had a wonderful conversation today about different hustles and, uh, different concepts of business and um, a lot of different things that uh i feel like the people that listen to the swangling show as we like to call them the the swanglers right they need to know that going forward if you're gonna be somebody you gotta have some fucking balls roll the dice make a plan make this motherfucking shit work for the 2022 is right around the corner right make what are you gonna play. do in 2022 if you're listening to the Swangland show, you need to ask yourself, what is it that you're going to do in 2022? Because the clock don't stop turning. Motherfuckers die every day. Your time might be running the fuck out. Grow some sack and some balls and make some fucking moves and make it happen. In 2022, Marinated Mitch is going to make it happen in 2022. That's a guarantee. Nunu's yes, Kitchen sir. is going to yes, jump sir. off in 2022. That's yes, a guarantee. Sir. This dude up here in the top left corner, Vice Grip, popping in 2022 i'm calling it now yes, i feel like we have to manifest this energy within the mr Grimlin community here new, new album coming in 2022 you already know getting them streaming checks up is popping first one shit my last album like actual actual album 2013 it's been eight years it's it's shit it'll be nine years next year it needs to you know what i'm saying it's about that time oh yeah and i'm very excited to announce on here that around that release time, we're going to be having a Swanglin' show. Vice Grip, South Florida, Broward County, takeover of the Swanglin' motherfucking show. It's going to be, you're going to see some shit, some Don Johnson shit. 
Vice Grip's gonna come out. Dan Marino might be on the fucking show. You never know what the fuck could happen on the Swangling show. It's going down. So, you know, um, I'm at this point. You know, I love you guys, man, and it's great having these conversations with you guys on. You know, and chopping it up about uh, just a laundry list of of topics that we're gonna be going over and shit. And and we're gonna wrap today's call up. But I'm starting to get concerned, man, about nuclears, man. The co-host of the Swangler Show. It's episode seventeen. He's Yo. MIA. He went out of town could, for a state for a state championship football game, and he just never returned. So we're gonna we're gonna start a little uh, business here, right? We're gonna it's gonna be an NFT, if you will, right? But it's gonna yeah. be a. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna we're, we're gonna take a little accounts. rumor mill the pit right now. Where is Kyle? CJ first. If you had to guess, where's Kyle, man? Where's the nucleus? Stuck to somebody's couch. Vice, where would you say Kyle would be? He was in Canton, Ohio, the home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame for an Ohio Ohio High School State Championship game of his hometown. The fickle, fickle boy living in the sea. Cary, Ohio Blue Devils last night. State championship football game. We love Cary, Ohio. Love Cary, Ohio. He's stuck to somebody's couch for sure. (laughs) We're going to have to make... Let me put some let me put some lore on it though, because they just think he's stuck. What happened before he got stuck to the couch? See, I think he attended the football. Yeah, have a whole show on that. <laughs> this is this is my theory. I'm thinking about it right now. You know what I'm saying? I think he hit the football game and then after party, since it's Hanukkah, he took his Jewish ass to a Hanukkah party, drank a little too much kosher wine, you know what I'm saying? Ate a little too much food, and then hit the couch. So he's stuck on someone's couch after the Hanukkah after party from the football game. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a very educated guess. I think Vice might end up the winner walking away from this thing because on the Swangler Show, we would love to say happy Hanukkah to our Jewish homies and friends all across the motherfucking globe. And, you know, as we approach the holiday season, it's always a good look chopping it up with you guys. And I'll see you again next week, more than motherfucking likely. Swanglin.com. It's been a pleasure, my pleasure, as always, to be with members of the goddamn world famous conspiracy family and we're swangling for your life rick's dangling r.i.p mr rage r.i.p echo cow r.i.p to everybody that's uh out here falling off of buildings and shit bitch swangling <laughs> i <laughs> <laughs>